happen. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Nahum. Nahum chapter 2 and verses 11 through 13 is our text for today. Nahum 2 verses 11 through 13 as we look at Satan in 3D. They were looking for a somebody to volunteer to parachute for charity. People that had never jumped before. It's hard to find people that will do that, okay? But Elmer did, and Elmer was quite a few nuts over the fruitcake minimum. And so um, he volunteered. On the first day of training, the instructor's talking to him and going over some important points, and he says, now, <clears throat> when you get to 300 feet, this is what you do. And Elmer stops and just kind of looks at him and says, how do you know when you're at 300 feet? He says, you'll be able to recognize their faces. Oh. What if nobody's there that I know? <clears throat> okay. Recognize their faces. See, what that means is this. So... Uh, all right. But I tell that to say this. For some people, or for some, Satan can deceive them so easily. Others, it's harder for them. But outside our walk with the Lord, nobody is beyond Satan's deceit. And so with that thought in mind, we continue now with verse 11. Where is the dwelling of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions? Where the lion, even the old lion, walked, and the lion's whelp, and none made them afraid. The lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps, and strangled for his lionesses, and filled his holes with prey, and his dens with raven. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour thy young lions. And I will cut off thy prey from the earth. And the voice of thy messengers shall no more be heard. Now shall we pray. Father, we want to rightly divide your word. We want to speak the truth as it is to men as they are. Speaking the truth in love. And yet, Lord, when truth is hard, it may be the greatest love that we can show in order to rescue the perishing. To help your people not to be saved so as by fire. So Lord I pray for thy Holy Spirit just to take over this now. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Last week we looked at the lion. And, and the lion uh, is that old serpent. The dragon. The devil. Satan himself. We saw the difference of eternal destiny between the saved and the unsaved. Satan is he who weakens the nations and shakes the kingdoms, we were told, by the word of God. This morning, I want us to consider Nineveh, the devil's work, and his work through Nineveh. The final end is what everyone that loses out to the devil finds is the final end. What they think are benefits of the world and the flesh and, and, and the devil are really, in the end, 
total destruction and emptiness. So let's look again first here at the draw of Satan in verse 11. Where is the dwelling of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions? Where the lion, even the old lion, walked and the lions whelped. And none made them afraid. Where's the lion's den? He talks about all those that were there. Well, it's a picture of Nineveh, really, of what they had that was considered the place of strength and the place of beauty. And you see, the first thing that we see about Satan is the draw of Satan. That's the first D in this 3D view of Satan. He has a draw, the draw of Satan. Satan's way is always attractive. It's attractive to the flesh. So many ways Satan has to look at things, and we'll use Eve as an example. Satan always tries to make you look like God's keeping you from something. Keeping you from a joy, keeping you from something good, or whatever it is, Satan does that to make you feel like you're deprived of something. Eve was told by the devil, oh, God knows you'd be like them if you had this fruit. So, evil, uh, so Eve sees the evil fruit or sees the fruit and that it was good. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was a tree to be desired. All of that is something that appeals to the flesh. The eyes, oh yes, oh man, something to be desired. Oh yes, it, it appeals to the flesh. She liked the looks of it. Everything seemed to be what she wanted. So she got what she want, wanted, but in the end, she didn't want what she got. You see, what a difference that made. A man has an adulterous relationship with a woman. And he's done that with several women, sometimes several women at the same time. And, and he has them all fooled. And then when he feels like everything's closing in on him, he'll say, look, we've got to break this off. My kids would never accept you, and your kids would never accept me, and so we need to do the right thing, the noble thing. And see what he's doing, and I'm going to say this to you ladies, ladies, young ladies, you single ladies, you teenage girls, even middle-aged ladies, let me say this to you. Men like that are to be avoided. If they have children, especially if they have children, and they would do that, they would cheat on their wife, they would cheat on you if they married you. Most of the time, they're not marrying you. What they have done is that they have brought you in for some perverted joy they have, and, and then they go on. And so here it is. He's in real trouble. And he starts making up all these things to try to get out of his trouble. You see, the young lady will be as Eve. Too late she'll realize that he treated her as a slut. And evidently considered her another conquest of which he brags to others. And yet he was able to convince her, oh, she was special. She holds on to something he says to her. He'll say something like this, we've got to break it off. But 
You'll always be the love of my life. You know how many times I've heard that? You know how many times I've heard that? There are a lot of men out there like that. Now, let me quickly put in, there are ladies out there like that too. That'll break up your home. But there are men that way. It's not as much of the sermon, but I'm at that age, I don't care. Uh, But the honest truth of the matter is, is that that is something that is out there. And I want to warn especially young ladies, uh, the guy that would... Uh, cheat on his wife is the very lowest of slime. Now, some ladies will see a guy and they get, and young ladies, young married women, let me say this to you, okay? I'm on a roll now, so we're going to stay with it there. But I want to say this to you. You get married and you grew up in a home and you have this and you have that, and then all of a sudden you're at bare minimum. You don't have much. There's just not much there. And here's this guy coming and he buys presents. He does things for you and so forth like that. And you see a better way. And whether you realize or not, you become a gold digger. And when you do that, you will never fully understand what committed love is. You'll only have a worldly definition of love. But the problem with a worldly definition of love is that when things go wrong, there's another marriage that you abandon and other lives that are messed up. So let me just warn you, young ladies, when you get married, you be committed to that husband. Husband, you get married, you be committed to that woman and, and no other else. I always tell the young couples I'm, I'm counseling to get married, I said, put divorce out of your vocabulary. That's not a solution. But let me go beyond that. Another man or another woman needs to be put out of your mind. Do you realize that when, how am I getting on this? Anyway, do you realize that when Isaac got married, he was already married before he met her? It was all arranged. And what does the Bible say for him to do? To love his wife, to cherish her. Once that knot is tied, you love and cherish that person for the rest of your lives. The worst thing, whether you're a man or a woman, is to live this life, be married to one person, but because of infidelity, to die with a spouse that loves you with all their heart, but never trusted you. Which hurts the fullness of the joy that your love could have had. So understand that. And make those things right as soon as you can. The man who tells the lady, oh, you're the only one I've ever loved, is simply lying to deceive her so that he might have his own corrupted joy and pleasure. Watch out for a guy like that. And that's how Satan corrupted Eve. Oh, you'll be like this. You'll be, oh, this will be great. And I want you to have what's great. And the rest of Eve's life is messed up. Now, when you think of the animals getting near a lion's den, an animal should know, I don't want to be around a lion's den. And yet when the den is filled with food that they would like, 
that they can smell the aroma, they're drawn to it. Lot did this. He got near the den and was drawn into Sodom. And before too long, Lot's family is devoured. The young lions are attractive and cute. But the old lion is the king of beasts. It's the happening place. It's his den. That's what Nineveh was in that day. It is filled with raven. That is the spoils of war. He's taken the best of everything. The best of people. The best of uh, products and everything else. It is filled with raven. And it attracts the world. Of which Proverbs chapter 23 verses 1 through 3 states this. When thou sittest to eat with the ruler. Consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Drugs, alcohol, immodestly dressed women, immoral men who scar the spirits of others. As they pass on to their children the DNA of those sexual partners that they had earlier. Abortion. Homosexuality. Hate. Rock music. On we could go. And people see it. They're attracted by it. And they go in not realizing they're going into the den of the lion. They go on in. But when you go into that den, you're going in on your own. You're not going in with the Lord. You've already quenched the Spirit of God working. Oh, He's there, but He's no longer at your disposal. And you'll find that this draw was poisonous to your eternal reward. As you are saved, if you are saved, but so as by fire, ashamed at his appearing. And nothing to do to change that for the rest of eternity. None made the people afraid in Nineveh. They weren't afraid of the world's armies. They weren't afraid of the peoples of the world. And neither is one who is deceived. The nations are deceived. The kingdoms are deceived, but Satan brings them down. Nineveh has everything. I mean, they have everything there. It's the place. It's the place that you want to be if you're without Jesus Christ and you're not concerned about other things. It's a place if you are saved, but you're without discernment and you're walking away from the Lord and you're not walking with Him. That draw, that lure of the God of this world is so strong, it allures the flesh. And the Spirit of God that kept you out of trouble is quenched in your life. Satan's greatest thrill It's to cause a man to die without Jesus Christ. To keep him from ever wanting to be saved so that when he does die that he goes to hell. But if he loses that battle, he wants to show 
the people of the church. Every flaw they have to that man that he might get dissuaded from church and say, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to do these things of God. I don't want to do these things. And they hate them and they get away and they can never be effective for Jesus Christ. This kind can be lured into false doctrine or false practice so as not to glorify God in their spirit as well as in truth. And when that happens, you've made Satan absolutely happy. Absolutely happy. Lost in the woods, you're wandering about. And the storms come. And you see a cave and you run to that cave to escape the storm. Not realizing you've stopped in the lion's den. And when you go away from the Lord, you'll find that the storms of life will take you to the very den of lions. Since you've already wandered from him, you're walking on your own. And the things that you'd say that would never happen to me will happen. Had a young lady here in our OCA told me one time, said, that will never happen to me. But it did. Because she got away from her walk with God. And my friend, even after... I had counseled with her and her youth pastor had counseled with her and others had counseled with her in the school. Warning her of the way she was going, she said no. That's not going to happen to me. You know what? I think everyone truly thinks it won't happen to me. Everyone that's happened to had that thought to begin with. But oh, Satan is subtle. Satan is so subtle. And he will lead you into the wrong place. He can and he will deliver his child. That is, God can and will deliver his child. But to do that, that child must be committed to his righteousness and holiness and his way of life. It's not just for the moment. It's for the life. And you have to make that decision for Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, Satan has a draw. But not only do we see the draw of Satan, we see what we've really hit so far in certain ways, the destruction by Satan. In verse 12, the lion did tear in pieces enough for his whelps and strangled for his lionesses. His lionesses. You see, this king had corrupted many women. And filled his holes with prey. And its dens with raven. It might be bait on a hook, food in a snare, or cheese in a trap. It's something that appeals to the flesh that the devil will put before you to draw you. When you think of the fish, the Lord made the fish to forage in the water there and to, to find its food there. But somebody dangles a hook with bait covering it. And boy, that is so much easier than to have to forage for the food. And he takes it. The bird is to dig for his worms. But it says, sees that food just laying out there in the shade. 
And he walks under that shade to find that box takes him in. But it was so easy. It was so easy. The mouse. He goes after all kinds of strange food. But if he can find it, he gets it, whether it's grain or other things. But he sees that cheese on the trap. Oh, that's so alluring. He can smell the aroma. And it draws him in, and it costs him his life. And that's Satan's way. What he does will lead to death. Satan as a roaring lion still goes about seeking whom he may devour. And with Christians, he seeks to devour your testimony. He seeks to devour your joy. He seeks to devour your home. There is victory in Jesus, by the way. And sometimes... In that victory, you've got to call up the very people that you were with in sin and tell them, that was not joyful. I regret it. It's the worst experience of my life. That way, that world won't say, look at that hypocrite in church. One of the hypocrites there, but they enjoyed our sin. They enjoyed our drugs. They enjoyed our sex. They enjoyed our drink. They enjoyed whatever. No, you let them know that you're totally 100% on the Lord's side. You're forgiven and you're cleansed. And who knows, it might lead to their cleansing and their getting right with God. And so my friend, be wary of those who are as Satan going about to devour whosoever he can. These are the people that talk about liberty. But that liberty is always applied to the flesh, not the spirit being freed from the flesh. And it will eventually lead to the death of the testimony for a Christian. And perhaps eternity in hell for an unsaved person. If they don't get right with God, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy, Proverbs 29, 1 says. In Nineveh, the lion was the king, the whelps are the princes, the lionesses are his harem. Those that he has conquered. The holes are the, the cesspools and, and garbage heaps of human souls deceived and enslaved in the hellhole of Nineveh. Their lives became raven for the Ninevites. Just like today, many have become raven for Satan. His trophies. Today, I'm afraid that too many will not realize it until judgment, 1 Peter 4, 17, begins at the house of God. And then, as with Eve, it'll be too late. You see, the fear of man always brings a snare. The fear of man, be it the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of verbal assault, the fear of pride or whatever. It brings a snare. Don't allow the fear of man to be greater than the fear of a loving God who loves you, a loving all holy God. For in the end, Satan's ways are death. 
God's way is eternal life. At Gadarene, the devils feared to be sent to that place that evidently some devils during Noah's time had already been sent to that pit, that fiery pit. They didn't want to go there. They said, let us go to those swine. They'd rather be in swine than to go to that place of torment. They believed in it. They believed in it totally, 100%. And as we see the contemporary churches, they had their great growth by worldly means. They'll find at the judgment seat that they gave in to Satan's choices and God's judgment was swift and their destruction complete, just like with Nineveh. Satan did not weep for Nineveh. There are too many other kingdoms to conquer. Nineveh, 150 years later, uh, earlier, under the preaching of Noah, repented. But as we're taught by history, people forget history. Had these people repented and made things right, God could have spared Nineveh again. Just don't think because you had one victory that Satan has left you alone. He comes back and tries again until you're completely destroyed. So we've seen this old lion, the lion's whelps, and the lions. Satan has different types of angels in his army. Ephesians 4 and, and, and uh, excuse me, Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Understand that Satan has different divisions. You might say it's like a military order. Principalities being the highest. The powers usually work more among us. The rulers of darkness of this world make sure that he tries to lure Christians into that, but also to keep the unsaved unsaved. Satan can get some folks with immoral sins, the sex, the drink, the murder, the abortion, the murder, and things of that nature. There are others who are attracted by Tinseltown and, and all those type of things. Others are attracted by other fleshly sins that are their, we call them the sins of respectable people. Well, it's not that bad. It only takes one sin is all it took for man to be condemned to eternity in the lake of fire unless he has a Savior. He wants to destroy your testimony if you're saved. He wants to use you to keep unsaved people to resist the gospel. Let me just be completely honest with you. Not as if I haven't been so far, okay? But let me just say this. We have Roundup Sunday in two weeks. I'm telling you right now, I have a gospel message from front to end. People can get saved. If you try to get some neighbors, you try to get some family members that you think are unsaved to come, would you be as lot who they thought was mocking? Would they even want to come 
looking at your own testimony. Saved so as by fire. Say, so as long as I'm saved going to heaven, that's all I care about. Oh, that's really love, isn't it? That is really love, isn't it? Oh, you, as long as I'm saved, that's all. Is, what kind of love is that? You have no idea what the loving God is like. Yes, there's the draw of Satan, the destruction by Satan, but praise God for the day of Satan's destruction. Verse 13 says, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots with smoke, and the sword shall devour thy young lions, and I will cut off thy prey from the earth, and thy voice, the voice of thy messengers, shall be no more be heard. Rabshakeh was the Assyrian king, who mocked the Jews and Hezekiah, but 185,000 of his soldiers are consumed in one night by an angel of the Lord. Hezekiah and his handful of people didn't have to do a thing. In the battle of Satan against God, Satan is soundly defeated. But for the Christian, we only defeat him by God in us. We can only do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. First John 4, 4 says, You are God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are saved. You've got the very Spirit of God living within you. Now, don't quench him. Don't quench him. Stay true to God. If you're without Jesus Christ this morning, in God's account, and he's the one that counts. He's the one that counts. You are children of the devil until you're saved. We are adopted by him by a free will decision to accept his offer of salvation. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. We know by Revelation chapter 19. Now think about this. We, we often don't say this, but the Antichrist, the world leader, the beast, chosen personally by Satan. And the religious leader who's able to do miracles in the sight of the beast, that world leader, the Antichrist. We're told that they are taken and cast into the lake of fire immediately. They had deceived the world into thinking they could overcome God. Satan didn't care even if they are cast into the lake of fire. They were merely pawns in his hands. But in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, Satan too will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Used by Satan. What happens? What, remember the serpent? The serpent did Satan's bidding. And from the day of Eden, he has crawled on his belly ever since. Uh, not just Tim, he's dead. All of his progeny are crawling on their belly ever since. Eve was deceived. Adam's sin was presumptuous. 
But their seed either way inherits a sin nature that will go to hell unless they receive Christ as Savior and His cleansing. If you're a Christian, don't let Satan make you his tool. You got things wrong with other people, go and make those things right with whom you've wronged. But especially, make things right with God. But if you're not saved, let me tell you something. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, I'd much rather be one of these that are saved, but are saved so as by fire. I'd much, I'd a billion times rather be them than to be in the best place in hell. You're not sure if you die today that heaven's your home. Don't let Satan use the weaponry of pride to keep you from getting saved. Come to him today. Won't you come? Let's bow our heads, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one is looking around. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. This is going to be an opportunity, if you're not sure if you died today, that heaven's your home. This is going to be the opportunity for you to come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I wonder how many in here today can say, Pastor, I know beyond any shadow of the doubt, I know that if I were to die today, I know that heaven is my home. If you know that, would you raise your hand? Yes, I know beyond any shadow of the doubt, heaven is my home. Okay, you may take your hands down. You say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. I'm just not sure if I died today that heaven is my home. While no one's looking, only Brother Kevin and I will be looking here. But while nobody's looking, I will not walk back to you. I will not call out your name. But you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today that heaven's my home. Please pray for me. Just raise your hand. As soon as I see it, you can take it down. Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died today that heaven's my home. Okay, Christian, I want to speak to you because much of this was for you. Is there an unforsaken sin? Is there an unconfessed sin? You know, we'd expect that if you had robbed a bank and got away with it, but you were willing to get right with God, you'd have to go back and make that right. To think that we offended the almighty God of the universe and he will accept us. Why do we take a lesser step and won't go to people and make things right? My friend, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the Lord is able to use this sermon today to speak to your heart. Maybe he's used it as a warning. But perhaps you just need to come here and pray. Or you want to come up here and have someone pray with you. You come see me. I'll have someone pray with you.